The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. What's up, everybody? We are not in Sin City, but we're kind of doing the second best thing, getting together, talking some Cincinnati Bengals. I'm Anthony Cazenza, and we are all of the members of the Cincinnati Jungle Podcast channel. We like to do this kind of a, I don't know, a quarterly board of directors meeting or, or something, right? Just uh, talking Bengals, getting the, the lay of the land on stuff. It's been a few months since we have uh, gotten together, but we got all five of us together. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got some topics already that we're going to touch on. We're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. And we're going to try and get to a couple of listener questions as well. So you can leave those in the live chats, get in touch with us, uh, call or text, all, all the ways that you usually get in touch with us. Go ahead and do that. But I'm Anthony Cazenza, and I am joined by the the entire force, as I mentioned. And I will start with the guy right next to me there, Zim. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I'm I'm doing okay. Um, you know, the wife's got the the house already going for Christmas, so I got to play catch up on that front. You know, it's like oh god, not even Thanksgiving yet, but whatever. Uh, right. I'm dreading so, the fact that I'm gonna have to pull my dad on tree. I was pretty soon too. Like, <laughs> that's happening. Yeah, Hard's already up, so that that tells you where we're at with things. It's like, oh god. Uh, anyway, but good to see you, man, and uh, good to good to hear from you. Your your partner in crime, Ace. What's going on, dude? Doing pretty good, AC, and the rest of the gang. Glad that we were able to bring this together. Yeah, props to props to you guys for for throwing that out there, and we we scrambled to put this together. It's good stuff. I'm and uh, good to good to see everybody. John, my my usual partner. What's going on, dude? Yeah, it's a good thing I don't run these um, chamber of commerce meetings. I feel like <laughs> it, it was it was it was good timing, you know. It's like eight eight or nine games into the season. It's a nice time to really c- touch base with everyone on the channel. And like I think maybe some of us were thinking about it, but there was only one guy, the guy in the middle, said, "Hey, it's time to do time to do a roundabout show, right? Time to do a round round table." So here we are. 
Zim's the guy. Okay, so Zim seems to be like the guy, you know, when you maybe went away to college and then you came back home and you got your group of friends back home and there's the guy who's always like, hey, we're meeting up here. We got we haven't seen each other for months. We haven't seen each other for, for the entire year. We got to get together. And Zim's the guy. We all had the thought, but Zim's the guy who's like, we got to put this in action. And he's he's that type of guy. Got to love him for it. And then I got to bring in the coach. We haven't been together with Matt for a while. Uh, I think we missed the last one maybe with you, Matt. So good to see you, man. I know you have also, along with Zim, kind of spearheaded this thing and got some topics for us to talk about. So how are you? How are things going? What's new? How's fatherhood? <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing good. Yeah, just uh, uh, you know, glad to glad to be where we're at right now with the with the season. Glad to be where I'm at right now with life, and uh, happy to be here with everybody today. Good good to see everybody. It's been it's been too long. I, I have so much fun. Like I, I I'm by myself on my podcast, and you know, like so much more fun getting together with all you guys. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Well, uh, again. You can get in touch with us, 949-542-6241, call or text. We'll try and get to a couple of those. We've got uh, the live chats in Cincy Jungle on one of three YouTube channels we're streaming to. So leave a live uh, a question there. I think we've got a comment thread on cincyjungle.com. You can leave one there. But we've got a couple of, of different things we're going to talk about. The Bengals are 5-4. and four. They are right in the thick of the playoff race. But they got to start getting back to winning after a two-game losing streak. The, the bye came at a good time. And I am going to pass the baton over to the coach because he came up with a, a small handful of topics. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to let him take the reins here and put us on the spot, I guess. All right. You know, I, I was actually listening to uh, uh, Paul Daner Jr. and uh, Jay Morrison's podcast earlier in the week. And, and uh, Paul Daner Jr. has been all over the stats lately, which is weird because Jay's normally the stats guy in that show. But uh you know, it's, it's like if I just came on here and started talking analytics and everybody's like, what happened to John Sheeran? He looks, he looks weird and old now, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, good. Uh, like you, man. he pointed out that like, it, it has been, uh, all these, the last five interceptions for Burrow, right. Uh, targeting Jamar chase, four of the last five have been on third downs. All right. With the only exception being, uh, being the, the woeful, uh, screen against the Jets at the end of that game that um, that turned that thing in their favor. So, I mean, the question is, is Joe Burrow too locked in on the would-be, should-be rookie of the year, Jamar Chase? And I know my man Zim has got a strong opinion on this, so I'm going to start with Zim. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, for, you know, for me... There is a little bit of relevance, I guess, when people talk about him targeting Jamar Chase. And then I, I listened to that same pod that you were talking about where he was saying, yeah, like they're all the, the last five, I think, are Jamar. And they're on third down, including a pick six and different things like that. So I get it. But part of me feels like when when I listen to other I listen to actual uh, Brian Callahan talk too. He also said that, you know, this this notion that Jamar Chase is now getting this cloud coverage over him and safeties are coming over top of him and stuff sometimes isn't true. And I just think that Joe Burrow, if he sees like one on one coverage, period, he's going to go after it. I don't know if it's on if it's on third down or whatever. And some of those picks that we're looking at, like the ball's laid on a slant. The pick six is late on that one, too. He should have thrown it to the pylon. Mm -hmm. These those are two balls right there where, you know, like now. You take away those two picks, just those two. 
Joe Burrow's like with the rest of the league at nine interceptions or whatever, like the, the big boys at the top, most of those guys are at between seven and eight and nine or something like that. So I don't, I don't put too much stock into it, but at the same time, there is um, a part of me that says that they have to have equal uh, distribution. And that's part of uh, them being more solid as an offense and being more consistent because me and Ace were talking about this one day. He was like, man, they got to be more consistent. I'm like, for sure. I feel like that too. Kansas City probably felt like that in the early years as well. But one thing that everybody was scared to death of is the explosive plays. And right now I feel like the Bengals are the most explosive team, with the, with the exception of maybe the Kansas City Chiefs, probably in the NFL. Like, like year one. There's not too many teams that can really score that fast and have that type of weaponry. And to move away from it, it, it's a hard thing to do, especially if Joe sees what he likes. I just think some of those are like bad balls, bad circumstances, tip balls. Every interception has a story, but equal distribution is always needed. That's, you know, like a balanced attack is what is going to get this whole thing moving and rolling. So it goes both ways. So uh, I'll, I'll leave this kind of follow up over to John. So we know that Burrow's greatest asset really is, is how great he is with those 50-50 balls. His ball placement is incredible. Um, it, so you like that he's taking these shots, you know, uh, that, that he's that he's trying to put the ball in. But, yeah, there have been some some throws that have been a little late. There have been some throws that are a little off target. And sometimes you look, you go back and you look at him, you're like, oh, he must have been under pressure. And it's like, oh, no, they wasn't really under that much pressure either. Um, it, you know, it seems like not only the the pick, uh, the recent pick on the slant, but uh, there was another slant in that same game that was that was like a little behind and there wasn't really anything the defense was doing that seemed to be dictating that. Uh, I mean, do you think there's something off, maybe maybe the knee or maybe something else with with Burrow's placement that's that's causing this sort of issue? Potentially, I don't think we know too much enough to say that with any uh, degree of confidence. I think just in regards to Chase and Burrow, the whole idea with this trio was that you know it was three receivers who could do different things, but and defenses would have to account for all three of them. And there was so much hype with T. Higgins entering the season. And with the, the late offseason that Jamar Chase was having, we were thinking, okay, Burrow's not going to force it to Chase. This hype with Higgins this might, it might take a little bit. And then immediately it was the Burrow and Chase show like they didn't miss a beat from 2019 in LSU. The best offense that the Bengals have had is just throwing the ball to Jamar Chase this season. It's why, despite the 11 interceptions from Burrow, he's still top 10 in non-garbage time situations in EPA per play and success rate. Despite the 11 interceptions, this offense is a hundred times more explosive because Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase to throw it to. And for the most part, they're like, it has been fantastic accuracy. I think he's still, I think the best in the league at avoiding off target throws, according to next gen stats or something like that. So yeah, there have been a couple issues. And the reason why we're talking about interceptions, it, there's only been a couple games where they've been like a legit problem. And we can attribute the bears game to just trying to press when nothing was really working earlier in the game. But in the Browns game, he threw, two interceptions and they turned the ball over a handful of times and they didn't have any explosive plays to counter out that, which is why they ended up getting crushed because they also couldn't stop the Browns offense. So it became an issue when they didn't have the explosive plays and the touchdowns to counter out the interceptions that have been a consistent thing all season long, which goes to show you that like 
like Zim was saying, when you had that explosive element in your offense and defenses had to account for that and it's hard to stop, you can live with some of those bad decisions. But I think you do bring up a good point. You know, in the recent weeks, there have been some accuracy issues with Burrow. And I don't think it's just attributing it to just throwing up to chase with with confidence. I think maybe it's just been a little bit off and maybe the bye week came at the right time. You got me set up for some stuff about the defense, and I love a good segue, but I, I got to give uh, Ace and uh, uh, Anthony a chance to talk here too. So uh, we will cycle back to to that, that the other problem with uh, picks on offense, with uh, turning the ball over on offense, is uh, when you are losing the turnover margin so bad uh, because you are not uh, you're not getting turnovers on defense. I mean, that is, that is rough. So um, – so yeah, let's uh, take the next step with that and look at it. I mean, I, I think it's not just Chase to me. And you look at that Baltimore game where I, I think I think we all thought that Marlon Humphrey was going to give a, a Chase problems. Um, maybe not Zim. Um, who I about to say? Who you thought was going to give us some problems? I knew he was going to scorch him up. That I, I came into that game. I wanted him. That's the smoke <laughs> I've been waiting for all season. <laughs> Marlon I mean, Humphrey ain't did nothing. I ain't want Marlon Humphrey when he was coming out of the draft, and I ain't want him that Sunday, and I had to come up. <laughs> I, mean, you, I, think, I think you look at the, that game, though, and I think the game plan was to stay away from him a little bit, too, because they targeted T like crazy in that game. So, I mean, is this you – know, I'll, I'll send this one uh, over to Ace. Like, is it more that Burroughs not, – not just a chase thing, but that he's – getting locked into the first guy and maybe it's maybe it's just that he's so confident and he knows he can place the ball so well that he's like Meh, that guy's open uh you know is, is that where we're having some of these problems because because he could have had a big game with all the targets he had uh but they weren't able to connect on very many of them i mean i think it, it may be something like that but i don't think that the issue is really uh burrow locking in on chase right you talk about the explosive offense that we had most of those explosive plays have been because of jamar chase and Honestly, after that Baltimore game, why wouldn't you up his targets? I mean, you look at it early on in the season, Chase wasn't a guy that really received that many targets, right? Um, it was after that Baltimore game that things just started to ramp up and they decided, hey, let's go ahead and feed it to him. Uh, but I think that the way that this offense is constructed, all three guys are going to eat. I mean, eventually there's going to be games where Tyler Boyd gets 10 targets. There's going to be games where T. Higgins, like you said, in the Baltimore game, he's going to get 10 plus targets. And there's going to be games where Jamar Chase is going to get 10 plus targets. So um, obviously, I think the third down thing may be somewhat concerning, but I don't think that it's because uh, Burrow is targeting Chase. I think that that may be that the Bengals offense is somewhat predictable because it seems like all the time on third down, they're going to go to Chase. The defense knows that you're going to go there and they haven't done a good job of keeping the defense guessing and switching it up. So I think that that also is another factor that has also played into the turnovers as well is they've been somewhat predictable with the guys that they go to. Tyler Boyd, they talked about him being the most targeted guy on third downs. So teams are going to know that you're going to either uh, Tyler Boyd or Jamar Chase, and they're going to be able to play and defend against that. So the Bengals just, I think, in my opinion, have to try to be more unpredictable on offense. All right. So uh, awaken the sad Moss believers. Uh, let's get crazy on third down. <laughs> Pull somebody out the bench. Uh, Anthony, uh, so Ace mentioned Tyler Boyd in there. Like, Boyd is not production-wise having the season uh, we expect him to have. You know, obviously Chase was the man in, with uh, with Burrow in college. Uh, but, hey, they, also had, they had Justin Jefferson. They had that slot guy who was a stud. Uh, it was a big part of what Burrow did in college, too. 
Um, do you do you see Boyd, you know, having a, a big turnaround in the second half of this season? Well, this there's kind of a lot of facets to everything that's going on here. And I kind of want to talk people a little off the ledge in terms of the increase of interceptions and whatnot. I put out a, a tweet because I, I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, you know, Burroughs, Burroughs rise in interceptions right now, really where he's at in terms of turnovers that he has, he has given up at the quarterback position through almost the exact same amount of games last year to this year. He's only given up the ball two more times overall, if you count fumbles and interceptions. Uh, and, and so while the interceptions have been an issue this year, hanging on to the football, noticing pressure and, and not kind of freewheeling with the football and letting that get hit, obviously an Im- improvement on the offensive line, less hits, less sacks overall than last year. Um, I would say he's, he's matured in that respect as a quarterback, not, not getting, taking as many hits and taking, taking hits where he has fumbled the football and those are devastating plays as well. So, um, you know, I, I think in, in some respects we can kind of walk back off the ledge a little bit in terms of the interceptions. They are, however, very frustrating. I think there is an element sometimes of getting locked into chase, but number one, it's because that's what's working. If you take into account touchdown passes this year, as, as opposed to the, in games last year, he had 13 last year, 20 this year. And, and that's a difference of seven. Guess who has seven touchdown receptions this year? Jamar Chase. So, I mean, it's it's like you kind of play all these factors into the thing and you're kind of you're kind of seeing a, a different picture with what's going on here. I will say this. Um, not only has Boyd not really been a part of the plan, it seems as much this year, but uh, T Higgins, he's had some really nice plays, but there have been some contested catch issues, a couple of drops in critical situations. And maybe that kind of focuses Burrow to go back to the hot hand a little more than originally planned in Jamar Chase in in that respect. So that's why the targets are going there. I think this bye week comes at a really good time where the Bengals can potentially tweak things, refocus. And what I think the initial plan is, is move the chain, sustain drives with guys like Boyd, Higgins, Uzama, maybe even Mixon in the passing game. Bring that defense back up, the back end of the defense back up a little bit and hit the big plays like they were doing with Chase earlier in the season deep down the field. I, I, I would like to see the offensive staff make those kind of adjustments a little bit this year. But also Chase has just been their, their spark plug on offense too. So it's kind of like, you know, give give the ball the hot hand. Man, l- let me say something real quick too. Me and H just interviewed uh, Jamar Chase's uh, father, I think it was like two days ago, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I think we agreed on is something just from a cycle. I think a lot of times, you know, like as uh, as analysts of football or we're looking at stats and all these different things, we forget about the human element of playing football. When I play football and I play cornerback, right, if a game started out and the best guy and I had to check the best guy on the team, if that guy ran like a go route at the beginning and I could feel his speed, at the very beginning of the game, like not waiting to the second quarter, not waiting to the end to halftime or something, it puts a little bit of doubt psychologically in my mind. So that was one of the things we were talking to Jimmy, um, I'm sorry, Jimmy Chase, and he was saying that's something that Joe Brady did every single game at LSU is take two shots, like take a deep shot to Jamar, give him like a something short. And I've been screaming that for weeks because as a defender, especially on some of the competition, that was another thing he was saying, 
It's like the competition that he's been going against. They're sitting at home thinking like, yeah, we want Marlon Humphrey. We want Joe Hayden. Like they're looking at that. And then when they go and every Sunday, they're playing like dudes that we don't even know, like considering like, let's, let's go to the bears game. Let's go to Jaguars game. They're thinking like, man, we're about to eat and kill these dudes. And when Callahan and the gang or whatever, wait so long to go to them, it builds confidence within the, the defenders. When we, we all know, that none of those corners can match up with Jamar Chase one-on-one. I think that one small adjustment, even if it doesn't work, just taking a shot with him deep just to put the fear in the defender to say, okay, I don't want to get beat. Now I'm going to back off two yards. I don't want him to come in. Like, you know, I don't want him. Those are the things, but they wait so long in all these games. If they did that, I think that one small element opens up so much. Now that same corner isn't jumping around. He's not coming up and run defenses quick. He's, he's thinking about different things, and you got to get guys thinking. And I think that's part of the element of what they're saying, forcing a ball to Jamar Chase. It's like you're going to him when the guys are already confidence is up. The game is now on the other side's favor. They got a lead, so they know you're throwing it. You're, fake, you're, you're, you're giving them leverage, and I, and I think that's one small adjustment. And you talk about Tyler Boyd, too. Let, just really quick, the, the most in the zone that Joe Burrow's been all year, is the Jaguars game. Tyler Boyd, I think, had 11 targets in that game. Absolutely took over that game. Yeah. Um, you know, here's my my one thing I'll, I'll, I'll throw into this is, like, if the offense has to be Burrow throwing to Chase to, like, get a big play and to get things going, if that's what – like, how is this better than than uh, Dalton and, and A.J. Green? And a young age of green, right? You know what I mean? Like, like, come on, like, Burrow, Burrow's got to be able to make some some things happen in other ways here. Um, and you know, I that guess that gets down to more than Burrow, obviously, as the that's the offense in a whole. Um, you know, I, and I think a lot of the problems come down uh, to the offensive line, you know, to the lack of consistency there, to the, some of the problems they're having. Um, once again, this year, it's been a bit of musical chain, uh, musical chairs uh, at the right guard position. Hakeem Adeniji. Uh, friend of Orange is the New Black. Uh, definitely check out their interview with him if you missed that a week ago. Uh, go back and check that one out. But uh, he's getting the getting the nod there for the second week in a row at the at the right guard spot. Uh, you know, I mean, he was a rookie last year and he, had, he made some starts, so not really a ton more experience than uh, Jackson Carmen, but like a real smart dude, a lot of a lot of playing experience at the college level. Um, you could say he's been in the system, but it was a different old line coach. Uh, so I'll start with uh, with you guys. We'll start with uh, with Ace since uh, since you guys have just uh, talked to the Dream recently. Uh, what do you think of this right guard uh, position? Do you, do you think Hakeem's the answer there? That's interesting because when we started at the beginning of the season, I felt like Hakeem Adenergy was a dark horse to play some kind of role at the guard position early on in the season. Um, obviously, he went down with the injury. Um, so with him coming back, it kind of made sense. And the reason I felt like that is we all know when Lep speaks that you have to listen. And he talked about Adenergy being a dark horse. And I thought that with him being back, it was just a perfect time for them to do that. Obviously, uh, it seems like Jackson Carmen has been up and down and they're trying to get some consistency there. The guys around him, minus I would probably say uh, Hopkins, is they play pretty well. You talk about the right tackle, the left tackle, the left guard. Those have been kind of the strengths of this line. Uh, but the center and the right guard position have kind of been some of the inconsistencies and, and the weaknesses on this line. So I think Hakeem Adenergy definitely can step in. And I know, Matt, you're a huge fan of his. 
um, and, and step in and, and take on that role and definitely bring some stability to the right guard position. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because they're kind of acting like, oh, yeah, we were going to give him a shot there all along. But uh, it, that kind of makes you wonder, what was the plan with Jackson Carmen uh, when you drafted <laughs> him the second we, round? We know the plan for Jackson Carmen. Like, you cannot. This is one of the things that we talked about in the offseason is that for every Bengals fan that said the first pick of the draft has to be an offensive lineman, right? My counter offer was always like, when did second round become like, when did that not become a premium pick? That's a big time. That's a starting guard in this league. Like especially top 40. Yeah. yeah. Top 40. I mean, that, yeah. that's a premium pick. If your guy is not playing right now, that's a problem to me. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have a, a, a elaborated point on it, but it's very simple. I drafted you in the second round. Uh, we look at Leatherwood that we're going to see this Sunday. They drafted him to play tackle. He didn't work out, but they still got him out there at guard. <laughs> you, you can't afford – like, bad teams get bad by drafting high premium picks and then losing out on these guys. Like, what's happening to the Raiders and stuff right now with all of their draft picks and stuff? They have to go back and compensate themselves for that by trading away stuff to go get more draft capital. You got to figure out different ways to get it. Or you could be the Rams and just blow, forget a whole salary cap and spend all the money and go get all your guys, which, which we know the Bengals don't have that type of money. They don't have that type of money sitting in an escrow account for guaranteed cash, at least. So this is what we're we're left with is like trying to recreate 2015 every single step of the way. And if you don't hit on your draft picks, that's an issue. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to be able to do something outside of that to uh, to uh, take the next step. And, and you know, I, I think that the idea of playing him at guard and working man tackle, I, I think that's not a bad idea. I was starting to think that 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 was good. the right guard was going to be like a holding spot, like he was going to train there, move out, and then they draft a center, put him in there. You know, kick kick Trey out then a year later. That. Um, that would have, I mean, that would aggravate so many people, but uh, yeah, <laughs> just treat, the, treat the position like that. But it was kind of getting that idea. But um, right. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, John, I think you're probably you're probably the biggest draft guy on the on the panel. I mean, um, actually, I, I, I'm trying to think of who. Well, you know, I actually tweeted out when the rumor was it was going to be Carmen before the second round even started. I was like. For my, my first word, uh, the first words I wrote down when I was breaking uh, down his his film was not good. Uh, so no, needless to say, I had some concerns. But uh, what are your thoughts uh, on, on Jackson Carmen? Well, that was the thing, right? Because in Clemson at left tackle, yeah, he was Trevor Lawrence's blindside blocker and, and his production was fine. But you look at what he was doing and there was definite room for improvement, which makes sense. He was 20 years old. I. I you have to look at the context of the situation. Hakeem Adenogy gets injured in the summer. I don't think a lot of us expected him to play all this season when he got injured. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was that he's able to play before the month of November began was surprising enough. They didn't waste a single damn minute getting him in the starting lineup. And I don't even think Carmen like personally was playing that bad. But you have to wonder with that context, the guy Adenogy was just coming back from an injury that I think a lot of us expected to take him out of the entire season. He practices just for a couple weeks and is given immediately a shot to start. He doesn't necessarily blow anyone away against the Browns. He more or less plays the same level of play as Carmen. I guess that's just subjective if you have another opinion, if you look at it. But I don't think he necessarily played so well that 
he deserves to start for the rest of the season in comparison to Carmen. So I just have a lot of questions about what they think of Carmen now because I don't think he was playing tremendously terrible enough to get benched like we saw in the Jim Turner days when the leashes on those guys were so short and it was always just constant changing and stuff. Obviously, it wasn't wasn't great, obviously, but to go to a guy who wasn't practicing for the first six weeks of the season and then to have instilled confidence in him, it, it just raises a lot of questions for me. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. I, I think um, I would agree. I, I looked at Hakeem and like in a bubble, it's like, man, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And and I think you take Jackson Carmen and the idea was you thought he was a first round pick. Um, unless he's hurt, like let the dude play, you know, let him feel it out, let him get better. Um, and a, as you were saying this, and and I'll go, I'll, I'll go to 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 Zim and Anthony here for for some opinions. This just made me think: what if? Because Trey's been the real issue. What if the idea is Jackson Carmen's a rookie? Maybe he's not completely comfortable. Hakeem is really smart, and and like like that's something you heard about all all about throughout the draft. He's a really smart dude. Um, you got Quentin Spain, who's you know might be your most experienced lineman. Um, well, maybe not, maybe not, but like you know, he's a really experienced, smart guy. What if the idea is if you have guards? who can split it up and kind of make the calls you can you can deal with not having Trey Hopkins's brain on the field at center so maybe the idea is if we can get some smart guys around perhaps a rookie center um we can survive without Trey who's whose knee just isn't there what what, uh, what what are your thought what are our thoughts uh, Anthony you're not muted so I'll go to you first <laughs> well I I don't know with Hopkins. I don't know that the issue personally, my opinion is, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a mental thing with, with Trey Hopkins. I think his, his knee and and him coming back from that knee injury. I think that, that may be. Let, let me clarify. Hopkins is really smart, makes all the calls, makes right. all the checks for the line. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah, it's, he's, he's the man. And, and, and it sounds like they're, you're right. They're We're cool seeing a different Hopkins. there for that reason, even though I think they knew he was going to be a little bit limited but they trust his brain there and they, and they needed him to make the, those checks. So yeah, the idea is what if you can survive not having that brain and have a knee that's some knees that are a little bit better uh, because he put guards that are smart around him. No, I, I, I see the rationale there. I just, I think unfortunately, you know, we, we all say, you know, anytime any, any of these guys get a, you know, an injury and a, a subsequent surgery, it's uh, the surgery always went well and they're recovering well and they're, they're right on schedule. They're ahead of schedule. Well, each body responds differently. And obviously Joe Burrow having a, a knee injury, he's what, two, two twenty, uh, and, and Trey Hopkins is 300 ish pounds. And, and that's just more pressure on the knee, it, it, different position and all of that. I just think it's, it's a physical thing. That's, that's ailing Hopkins. I understand your rationale though, of maybe, maybe divvying up a little bit of the calls and responsibilities across the line, especially the two guys flanking him. So I, I understand that kind of talking about Adenogy and Carmen and all of that. I, I liked Adenogy. I liked, especially Matt, after you went into a lot of different film and different things with him after he was drafted last year, we, you know, I, I really started to come around on him. The, the, the tape that he put out in starting role, like you said, was kind of, eh, 
It's the same thing with Carmen. And then, you know, we had a guy we were all excited about this year and Deontay Smith, who unfortunately uh, left, you know, he, he's injured as well now. So, I mean, the, the, there's kind of a double-edged sword situation here where there's a lot of guys that they've amassed over the last couple of drafts that you feel like, hey, maybe there's tackle potential there. There's guard potential there. Long-term viability at guard or tackle with some of these guys. So so you feel pretty good about that. But at the same time, the team just doesn't seem to be fully sold on any of these guys really early in their career. They're doing the musical chairs thing again. They're doing the deal where, you know, uh, a little bit of short leash like you talked about. And that's kind of a, a warning flag for me a little bit in terms of how much belief do they have in these in these players. Yeah, they're still really young, especially Carmen. John mentioned, I think now he's, he's at what, 21 years old. He's probably one of one of, if not the youngest guy on the roster right now. So, I mean, there's still a lot of maturity and development to be had there. Same with Adenogy in his second year, but at some point this team needs to start finding the guy at certain spots on, on the offensive line. And they, you know, they need to, they need to invest whether it's in the draft and free agency and they need to go forward. I like the idea that if they're not liking what they're seeing, they realize that the offensive line has been a problem. I like that, but at the same time, you got to start finding the guys and you can't have five pro bowlers on the line. I get that. But at some point, you know, the, the guard position, the right tackle position was an issue before Reef for a couple of years um, you got to you got to start settling on guys, really investing in making them a developmental player, developing them and making them a viable starter. So, again, I think with this whole situation for me, there are a lot of positives and I like the upside with a lot of these guys. Unfortunately, some of them aren't available because of injury, but I also see a lot of red flags in that they're just they, the team doesn't seem to be the coaches don't seem to be fully sold on some of these guys. I mean, even when the O-line was really good the right tackle position like years ago, like, right. like the right tackle and, and Russell Bodine were like the, were the weak leaks on that, on that thing. The, the rest of the group was pretty good. Uh, uh, Zim, you have some thoughts there? Yeah. A, a lot of line. I, I mean, I think I was listening to something. I was listening to the guy. Ah, I can't think of his name. I think his name is Chris Davis or whatever, but he works a lot with the Raiders and stuff. And he was talking about the musical chairs there. Like they don't even really like, they, they thought they were going to have incognito. He's got like a calf strain or something going on. Like, you talk about like stability. They don't have the tackle tandem that we have. They don't have Spain playing at a Pro Bowl level. But that, not to say that there's nothing to be done with the line. But I think you made a really good point though, Matt. That I hadn't even thought about is that I think some of the some the profile of Carmen is what the team is falling in love with. Like take Carmen's bodies and and put them. And I hate that. I feel like we do this on every show. I always bring up the, the Pittsburgh Steelers every time. But put Carmen on the Steelers or something. Like, I think they take that same body mold and make something really, really, like, special there. Whereas the Bengals, for whatever reason, have a hard time with their coaching techniques or whatever. We got Frank the Tank. We got, you know, like, they had this hard time getting guys, like, to play better than what they're supposed to or play above what we thought they would. And it's just like slow, um, slow stroking, slow sailing for all of these guys. But I thought you made a really good point by saying like about the maybe the mental part of it where Carmen's the profile lines up, but he's making the mental mistakes. And one one bad rep is one bad hit to Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. And that's something from the fan base and everybody that's watching is all over. You make one mistake, as we've seen from the quarterback position, that's a touchdown. If you make one bad rep, 
that's a hit that everybody's gonna be saying, oh, get him out of here. We just ran like two, we just ran two, three dudes out of town for the same thing. So I think the coaching staff is now saying like, we don't have any room for those errors. And I think that's a great point by saying Adenogy is so solid and he understands, um, you know, like the stunts that he understands different things that are coming his way early on and they feel way more comfortable with that. Maybe they don't think about long-term. They're thinking Carmen's still long-term. He hurts his back in the one game. They're like, you're still making a couple of mistakes. Let's go with a guy that we know won't make a mistake. Ah, look at that baby. <laughs> look at that baby. Wait, I'm That's playing guest. Let's get him out there blocking. He's got the gear on, though. <laughs> oh, oh, but he's he going to be today. Uh-oh. <laughs> But I just you thought that, I just that, need was, to sit. that was a good point. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The one Sorry. thing, the one thing I wanted to say is, don't forget when the Bengals drafted Carmen, they moved back and ended up getting several other players as well. Mm. So they did move back and get Deontay Smith as well as Tyler Sheldon. I got, so I got high hopes for Deontay Smith, man. I, I, I think yeah, Deontay Smith is the guy that I really want to see yeah. the most, especially after training camp with Carmen. From what I was told. He was supposed to play right guard, but they were kind of grooming him for right tackle next year if Reef ends up leaving. That was the initial plan. I don't know if that's changed um, Reef you know, now or not, but but it, yeah, that was what yeah. I was told was the initial plan is, hey, can he play guard and eventually we want to move him out to right tackle. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening with that. But I really want to see Deontay Smith for sure. I, I got a quick question for the, for everybody. We're watching Reef play like how he's playing, right? This is what I said before the season. I I'm not as quick to say he's gone as everybody else was. What is, on on a scale of like picking Quentin Spain, uh, Ogan Joby, guys like that? Who are your higher guys that you think in the offseason? I know it's, we're looking a little bit ahead, but I just thought this was like a. I, I want to ask you guys this: Who would you go and sign first? Now that we've seen Jesse Bates kind of take a little bit of step down, Anthony, I want to start with you. Like, who do you think like you, you will prioritize? Like, as far as that, would you go offensive line? Is it or is it BJ Hill or is it Ogan Joby? Like, based off of what we've seen so far, it, it's hard to say because a lot of these guys. I mean, I, I think in terms of overall value and, and bang for your buck uh, of guys that you you can sign long term. You know, I think, unfortunately, for Jesse Bates, we may be looking at a franchise tag situation, which is less than ideal for everybody, both from a value perspective, a salary cap perspective, on the player side as well. They want a long-term deal. So that, to me, while I think he should be the highest priority, I think if you're talking about overall picture and value and all of that, kind of push that one aside a little bit. I, I think you look at Quentin Spain. 
I think that's a guy – he has the highest PFF score of all the offensive linemen this year. So I think that's a guy, and he's not as old as Riley Reef. And you've got potential tackle prospects or, or developmental guys on the roster right now. So I think Quentin Spain is a guy you look at. And I think you look at one of those interior defensive linemen, B.J. Hill, Larry Ogunjobi, or both. Um, uh, B.J. Hill was a guy that – I mean, he's, he's a rotational player. But when you talk about who they dealt – and what they've got out of that trade, it's just kind of like mind boggling. You know what I mean? It's like the whole, uh, like the Clinton McDonald, Brian Leonard trade. You know, it's like you go back to all these different trades and you go, wow, that was, that was kind of savvy move there. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, kind of trench work a little bit. That's, that's where the, the Bengals were winning some games early on. I, I think interior offensive line and uh, one, one or both of those defensive tackles, I, I think that's probably where you start. Of course, Bates is your highest priority. But again, if you're talking about manageable salary cap number, value, all of that, that's kind of where I'd, I'd start, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'd Man. agree on Ogunjobi. Uh, what, uh, what do we think, Ace? So so you're higher on Ogunjobi even though, like, for me, this is one thing that I noticed even on the Chubb run. Don't y'all think that, like, don't you see this a lot where Ogunjobi's there, but he doesn't really make the play? I he's, see missed that. Ten, he's missed 10 tackles. I see year. that. I mm. see that. Every, he's always in the backfield, but I'm like, why didn't he make the play? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is to me. He's he's always in the backfield. Like, he's, he's always causing pressure. <laughs> he, but he's that, the, yeah. yeah, he's the three tech that we, you know. Yeah, and, and, yeah. he's he's penetrating. He's causing the problems. I say pressure, but, like, really for everything. But, um. No, I mean, yeah, 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 you make a good point. There are those kind of, kind of like little moves in the in, in the open space that that have been getting him. He's been definitely been a part of that. Um, I I don't I don't know. I just like the big splash plays just like like stick out to me with Ogunjobi. Right, and and I think Ogunjobi, it, it, it's you're taking a lot of the great things with him, but just also accepting, like Zim said, the missed tackles and the fact that he's not winning that much as a pass rusher, it's just that when he does win, he finishes, which is why he has like a decent number of sacks this year. So in terms of prioritizing these guys who are entering free agency, I think Quinn Spain is obviously playing the best, but I think you should have confidence in Deontay Smith filling in for him next year if they happen to not get a deal done. So it's not like it's, it's such an urgent thing to get Quinn Spain under contract for long-term with Riley reef. I think he's playing okay, but he's going to be 34 next year and he's probably going to be any better than what he is right now. But at the same time, you don't really have a solution behind him, and you're probably going to have to draft someone anyway. So naturally, the priority is high there, but you, you're not really paying for a, a top-tier guy at that point. And with Ogunjobi, like, honestly, I think B.J. Hill's kind of not playing him a little bit. I think he's playing a lot more consistent. He's just not as explosive as an athlete. So you're not getting those splash plays as a pass rusher. So it's like for both of those guys, I don't know if they're going to demand that much on the market anyway. So I don't know how much, how much urgency you have with them. So those are like the guys that, are they, that they should be interested in bringing back, but I don't think any of those guys are going to at- attract that much attention on the open market if they get there. Ace, who, Ace, who would you prioritize? Like it's tough about? because from a roster building standpoint, you have both of your three techniques essentially getting ready to walk out the door and you don't really have anyone there. So you have to pick one of those guys. I'm not saying that they have to be the priority. Riley Reef, I think that you at least look at if it's a situation where the money is is pretty solid for him like you got this year. Yeah, sure. I think that you have to do that. Will the Bengals do that? That's one of the things that concerns me because once guys get kind of long in the tooth, they don't value them as much. But I still would bring them back. 
Um, but you do have somewhat of a contingency plan in that case that he doesn't come back. You still got Deontay Smith. You still got Jackson Carmen. The one thing I will say is even though these guys haven't really panned out, the Bengals are in a way better space, in my opinion, as far as depth with the offensive line than they were last year. Like you still got Fred Johnson. You still got some of these guys. So depending on what they do there at the right tackle position, we'll see. Uh, Jesse Bates, that's the most interesting one to me. I think that he definitely needs to be a priority, but they did go out and uh, they signed uh, Ricardo Allen. So I don't know if the plan is to potentially replace Jesse Bates with Ricardo Allen. I'm not sure what their plan is there, uh, but there's a lot of guys that you could prioritize. But I think one of the three techniques, Riley Reef, if you can, if the money is okay there. Uh, Quentin Spain, for sure. I think Quentin Spain has kind of cemented that left guard position for us. You think about it a year ago, that's where Michael Jordan was at. That was the position that ended up causing Joe so many issues. And the, the way that he's played this season, I think that he deserves it for sure. Man, they better. I was, I throw a three year at him right now. Like to me, I, I, asked that, I, I think I asked that question because to me, Quentin Spain is the most underrated player, maybe from the fan base or whatever, but on this team right now. He's, he's, I mean, he's a friend of the show, but he's, he's, <laughs> but he is like to me, like what he represents. Like, I remember us asking some of those questions, like, hey, if somebody knocks Joe on the ground or whatever, you guys gonna do something, or whatever. And then we see it, you know, like they stand up for Joe and, and he made H- sure, like, Hakeem was the first one there. Yeah. Right. And he, oh. and he, and I went back and watched it like slow motion. He took off. That's like a, he was he was like it wasn't even standing there. Like right. he, he went, got his ass. He went there. frame by frame with the reaction. He he means <laughs> he means yeah, I, want, like, I wanted to see who re, I wanted to see who yeah, who was reacting, how they were, who was reacting first. It was it was him. Like, he was there. Adenogy is a serious guy in the sense of he's very smart and intelligent with the questions that I think we were asking him to make sure that he answered them the way that he wants to. And I feel like he's assertive with his actions. And that makes sense that he'd be mm-hmm. the first person like right on the spot. But I just think like Quentin Spain, like just talking to guys, like he's the guy that's getting all the guys all together, eating together and getting part of the culture together and getting restaurants and all these different things for the offensive line. And then he's matching this play. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think it sends a message to the locker room. And I, I think he, he, you look back at some of the places that he had been it's just with some weird situations and stuff. And I think the stability in that spot, I think the Bengals will be really, really foolish. I don't care. I know I've read a couple of uh, comments. People say, say historically Bengals don't play guards. Well, they better get back to they better get to the current. Because right now <laughs> we cannot afford to be doing some, you know, like the left side of your line is on point. Well, like, he's not going to cost very much either, so which is why you're yeah. more confident. Exactly. That. It, it exactly. feels like it feels like a deal is going to get done with that, as well as Bates. Right. Like it feels like it's not even worth discussing with Bates because they're going to at the very least franchise tag him. You know, there's like no yeah. real conversation with that. I think they get the Bates deal done too. I it's think. Just... Go ahead. No, I was saying. Oh, I was saying it was possible. I was about to. I think. I think. I think before it might be a little bit of a holdout coming up next year, or whatever. But I think they get it done. But it, it, it's not till next year, though. That's just my gut. Yeah, heard, I mean, heard a couple and, things. And Bush comes to shove, they could franchise him because Ricardo Allen's not a long term answer there. Like they they got to figure something out better than that, um, for sure. But yeah, yeah. Again, let's not go down that rabbit hole with the base contract. Uh, but no, it's, no, some really good, uh, really good, really interesting points there. And, and yeah, I think the the big value of Spain is that that left side would be good because you really don't know about anything on the right side because because Reef's been all right, but he's old. 
maybe Trey's better next year. We don't know. And then right guards, musical chairs. So um, let's get uh, to the defense and we're running up against it time-wise. I know, I think uh, Ace has got to run to another show. And, yeah, uh, I got to run, guys. Really good so uh, the uh, the longtime defensive coordinator here uh, has, has got to mention some, some defense. Um, defense was looked good, all right? And they were ranked really high at the beginning of the year. Uh, obviously, uh, there's been some major issues recently, and really in all of their losses, they've been missing tackles like crazy. Uh, even though we hear Luana Rumo is all about fundamentals, they miss tackles like crazy in some of those games. Um, you know, I, I pointed out in my article, uh, my film room article earlier this week on Cincy Jungle, which you should check out, um, they played the run pretty good most of the time like you know like for what you can expect because like it's, it's the browns you're probably gonna give them five yards a pop you know what i mean um but look there was that 70 yard run like you can't have that but you take that out and it wasn't that bad there's a 60 yard touchdown these are things defenses can't do all right but like the play by play wasn't that bad they just really screwed up majorly and and f themselves so what do we think? I mean, is is this can this defense be what it was early in the season, or are they so, showing their true colors in recent weeks here? Uh, and I'll start with Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, We're like full Brady bunch here with the. I know. Yeah. So it's a really it's a really good question because, and I don't know that I fully know the answer. I I just keep going back to the sentiment that this bye week is coming at the most ideal time for this team, based on their two game skid. Both sides of the football are not playing their best. They are not doing the things that they excelled at in the first seven weeks, they got them to five and two with a couple of high quality wins. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I can't blame it on injuries this year. Uh, last year, you know, I mean, you had all of your stars out at this point uh, on defense. Um, the, the cupboard's kind of full here for the most part, no Trey Waynes, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's a combination of factors. I think we haven't seen the best from Jesse Bates. John and I talk about Jesse Bates a, a lot on our show and, Really, he's always been a guy that's been a tale of two seasons within a season. I mean, he's been a guy where he's kind of mediocre a lot of times for half a season, then he's absolutely excellent for another half. And that's if you go back and look at uh, his his career, that's kind of been what he's done as a pro in terms of at least big plays. Now, last year, he's a little bit more consistent, but even so, um, the big plays kind of come in, in flurries and, and it's kind of tale of two seasons within a season with him. I, I think the pressure has been a, a little less consistent and and less consistent from uh, some of the guys who were uh, doing things well early in the year. And I think you guys brought it up, and I, I couldn't have put it any better about Larry Ogunjobi. I, I love the tweet that John put out about Larry Ogunjobi, about how he's the 180 hitter with 40 home runs. Like, he's the guy that he'll absolutely wreck a play or he'll be completely out of position. Um, and, and so – I think Just earlier, away, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, earlier in the season, I, I think that was masked and or wasn't happening as frequently. I mean, you go back to that Vikings game. He was incredible in that Vikings game, as was the rest of the defensive line. And it, it just some of some of these things have kind of been exploited a little bit. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to mask it. I worry about the Davis Gaither injury just from a, a versatility and athleticism standpoint, but you know, I, I think maybe just a little bit of rest. I think the tackling has just gotten sloppy. And, and if they shore that up, hopefully they did that over the bye with both getting back to basics and just some rest. 
um, I think you're going to start seeing a unit that's playing a little bit closer to what we saw in the beginning of the year. Quick insert. I'm excited to see Marcus Bailey, though. Zim, go. Yes. I'm right. Is, you're going to see him one-on-one with Waller in the red zone coming mm-hmm. up. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that I don't want to see. Oh, it's happening. He, it's happening. After, after he went one-on-one with Njoku or whatever last week, they were like, yeah, here you go. Here, here's Waller. The guy I'm scared to death of is, uh, um, you know. Renfro. Renfro. That's who I'm scared of. Because I don't, I mean, shit. I don't Eli Apple. He better line him up with a woozy. But, Anthony, the one thing I will tell you about Bates that is a lot different is this year they haven't played a, a lot of single high like they were. And I think – even even Von Bell, they're putting him like you go look at the um, the uh, the Eli uh, the, the the touchdown with Donovan uh, Donovan Peoples Donovan Peoples Jones or whatever. Like normally that w- the alignment would have been like Jesse Bates takes the inside of that and then Eli Apple. Would. This year that's Von Bell, you know, like and that's happened a lot. Like if you look at a lot of these games, his his assignment I think has changed and I don't think he's comfortable with it. And I think the injury that he had earlier in the year, I think it's still kind of like there. Much like you, I think you talked about T. Higgins earlier in the in the, I think his shoulder t- still probably bothers him to this day, too. But I think the assignment, I think they're going to change that. And I think uh, Trey Hopkins came to the, the podium, I think that was yesterday, and he was saying, look, I'm not trying to take that rest day anymore. Like, I need to psychologically be back into this. My knee feels good. Maybe that changes, but I, I like to see them get back into some of the coverage stuff that uh, Jesse Bates was accustomed to doing. Do you know that Jesse Bates doesn't have one pass breakup the entire football season? That's crazy to think of. I do wonder what people are going to think. Of, like Bates all of a sudden gets two picks in the you know next four games, and all of a sudden he's got three interceptions. Or people are just going to be like, "Oh, he's great." You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I feel that's like why interceptions are just. Right, yeah, interceptions are just weird. Like yeah, yeah, we just get caught up in the never. Oh, he's having a down year. I'm like. All right. Well, he's a safety, so tackles are kind of unpredictable a little bit, and the interceptions are always unpredictable. Plus, he always has three. <laughs> like, so he's like, it's halfway through the year. He's 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 like a half off of you know a half an interception off of a pace here. You know what I mean? But um, John, what, what do you think? Bates is honest almost to a fault. Um, Cringe Wizard said no one should worry about Bates not getting a contract. I think he was worried about not getting a contract, and he said that uh, earlier this week. And he said, I was just – my head was not in the right place. And I think playing in the contract year can do one of two things. It could either motivate you to overperform or it can distract you from playing your best or just playing at your usual level. It seems to have been the latter for Jesse Bates for whatever reason. And I think they're, I think Zim has brought up a good point. There was the difference in just the way that they've they've, they've looked like they've gone, gone into single high uh, – in some coverages and then they've kind of disguised that to go into, into too high. And they've used Von Bell more as a, as a deep safety this year, which has kind of changed Jesse Bates's role, but it still doesn't look like he's reacting as quick to some of these routes. And I remember in the Baltimore Ravens game, like there were a, a handful of passes that last year, Jesse Bates, Jesse Bates probably closes down quicker and maybe makes a play on it. So I think Bates can turn it around because he's shown in the previous three years that whenever he has a bad half of the season, he, he turns around with a good one or he goes from a good half to a bad half. So that's kind of, the, the moral of Jesse Bates's career thus far and with the entire rest of the defense man I, I don't think they expected anything from Mike White and they tried to be really conservative and they ended up getting shred by a thousand paper cuts and I try to tell people man Nick Chubb might matter a lot I think he's a top three running back playing behind the best offensive line that's a very dangerous combo and the Bengals despite all the improvements that they made have not shown any capability 
of being able to tackle him. And I think that's going to be a problem until they prove that it's not. So they ran into another iteration of the Browns offense that they've shown that they cannot stop. And then they got surprised by another rookie quarterback or a quarterback who's making his first start. So those two games have altered the perception of a Bengals defense that was largely exceeding my own expectations. Trandrickson was completing a lot of his pressures at a rate that I didn't think was sustainable from last year. And Shadobi Woozy is playing like, like a number one quarterback. And those two guys have made such an impact on this defense that has allowed them to be really good for the first seven weeks. And I think they can return to that now that they're playing more favorable opponents. All right, we are getting a little up there time wise, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of lightning around my response to this too. But like uh, to me, the thing with Bates, I didn't want to get into the Bates contract thing, but safeties that play just deep field coverage, even if they get a lot of picks, like we value that as fans, and I think analytics values that. Like they, the NFL doesn't pay those guys like they pay the guys who are really versatile and spend a lot of time in the box and make a lot of tackles and do this, you know, like. So he needs to show that piece, which I think he has this year, uh, despite some very well-publicized uh, missed tackles. I think he's actually been a lot better in some of those situations. Um, and, and I kind of think that's why they didn't want to dish out a bunch of money for him, because I think they, they didn't know how well he fit as they wanted him as a moving piece. So I think he's done better in that area, but now it's just coming back and putting it together and, and being able to, to to be the dude back there that he that he has been. Um, the other thing I want to point out about the the, the defense, um, Vernon Hargrove's coming in, okay. Uh, Trey Flowers coming in. Maybe Trey Flowers is covering Darren Waller. Yeah, I like sure. that a lot better. I love um, that. You know, and they talked about using him as more of like a dime guy, and I think Vernon Hargrove's maybe that's. The, against the Colts last year, they tried to, to they tried to make a franking corner out of uh, out of Lashawn Sims and Darius Phillips, and it was a massive you know massive error. Um, Eli Apple, Vernon Hargraves, you know, two former first round picks who do have some talent and just had some issues. Maybe you can figure that out to make that work. Like because I mean, Wayne's better. Like Wayne's is better, but Wayne's you can't rely on him. Uh, even if he does get healthy, we can't re- rely on that. So maybe between those guys, they can come up with something to to fix that issue uh, on the defense. Man, um, they, they really miss Wayne's like and run support. I, I, there's so many games that I'm just like, damn, like like that Bears game. It, it, from the cornerback position, I just thought that Trey Wayne's would have been like. I don't know. There's some games out there. Hey, after you do this, I, I want to tell Anthony this. Do you have ability to go back on some of those super chats? And I want to be able to answer some of the questions from some of the people. There's been some really good questions in here. Yeah, yeah. A couple I've noticed that we've uh, yeah we've, 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 had we've go, touched it, a little. It, it, they've kind of coincided uh, actually a little bit. But yeah, if you've got if you see some Zim, uh, l- let me know and I'll I'll point some out for sure because I want to get to some of these. There, there was one one more thing I wanted to want to get to. Like when we look at this, we've seen this division once. They're two and one in the division. Um, who are you most afraid of in the rematch? Easily. Ravens. Ravens? I'm not afraid of the Browns. I mean, uh, I, I was like, that was my take right away. I was like, after the Browns game, I was like, I'm more afraid of the, seeing the Ravens the second time. Yeah, the you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll I watched the film again, and there are some, you know, like, I feel like we killed ourselves like in that game because. Had it been a shootout like last year, who was that? I think that was Anthony early in the show was saying, like, yeah, by the time we got to 
you know, week whatever. We didn't have anybody. We didn't have any of our starters on defense. If I get mm-hmm. into that same shootout with Baker Mayfield two, this year. <laughs> no, 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 no. The second time that we played. <laughs> no, no, I know, but they didn't have any, they didn't have a defensive line. In week yeah, two we, we, yeah, we didn't have it. But by the time we got to week eight, Jalen Day, I mean, whatever, week 10 or whatever that was, Jalen mm-hmm. Davis was starting with uh, 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 Darius Phillips in a mix of LaShawn Sims, right? Yeah. So all the Browns fans were like, "Yeah, we, Baker's cooking." I'm like, "Yeah, you won't cook against." Like, I, give me that same, give me that same shootout, and I bet you I can win that game. And that's the, and, and I would have had that same shootout, but I just committed the pick six, the fumble on my side of the field, the fourth and three, which is another turnover. Any team you give them the ball three, I, I virtually gave you 21 points. Like, if I could get them in a shootout situation, mm-hmm. or I could just not make mistakes, I feel like I can kill them. The Ravens, I don't care how many points they're down. I watched this dude Lamar four times this year, including I think that was that a Chiefs on that Thursday night game. Whatever, I, I watched him come down from 14, 17, and another like he is the deadliest, most explosive player in the National Football League. And fans that still don't respect him, I don't know where you guys are from because that dude is scary, like super scary to me. I don't care how many points I'm down. I know he's built to have a lead. I get it, but scary. I'm not hot take guy, but I, I'll say it. I'll say <laughs> it. I, I don't want to play the Pittsburgh Steelers again. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers all of a sudden are now in the, I know, I know. And you can brush it off and we can brush it off. We brushed them off at the beginning of the year. We brushed them off at the a month into the season. We brushed them off. And where are they? They're right in the middle of the They're playoff right they're always Every gonna be right there though. Single year they are the in way, it. The so. way that their franchise is set up. Stable. Yeah, but this is one thing that this is one cardinal sin. They'll never be able to Joe Burrow themselves and put themselves in tank out or anything like that. They have way too much pride, way too much stability or whatever. They're always gonna be in the middle of the pack, and they might not have a lead, they might end up nine and eight this year, too, right? But the one thing is I saw them play against the Detroit Lions this past week. Welcome. Complete trash, 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 and I would love to play those guys again. Well, look, it's it's ugly, and it's and they are a very imperfect team. They have a lot of new parts on the offensive line. There are a lot of different things that they are ironing out, but somehow through it all, they're right in the middle of the playoff race. They're right in the middle of the division race. They're playing ugly football. And they're they're right there, and really, unless they have all these kinds of injuries, the offensive line should only at least marginally improve because they've got a lot of new guys there. Right. Uh, rookie running back, he's in the race for rookie of the year. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're juggernauts, but I, they're just always there. They're you, it's like the Undertaker GIF, right? Where it's no, the right. guy, they just <laughs> you think they're dead, and they just keep coming back, and you're like, dude. Go away. I, I think I think I think the Chargers are gonna do them something dirty on Sunday. I, I hope so. I mean that's I the thing though. Like, ugly. I, I think I think you're absolutely right about that because like that's the thing about the Steelers. Like they just figure things out. Like that week one against the Bills, they just like they block a punt, they figure some they didn't play that well in that game. They just like they let the Bills screw it up. Like they're really good at letting other people screw like they it's, I don't know if it's like a Steelers mystique or something, you know, but like and they're they're good at being there. And ready to take advantage when teams screw it up. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem right now in the AFC. That's why nobody's running away with this thing. Right? Because whenever, whenever they think they're there, 
They screw it up. Like nobody knows how to not this, screw it this up. This entire conference is trash. It is. It's nothing compared to the <laughs> NFC. Nothing about the Steelers scares me aside from the yeah. fact that I grew up watching this rivalry and the Steelers usually win. Nothing that the Bengals roster right now isn't scared of the Steelers. And honestly, I've, I've mm-hmm. heard of a, a bunch in the offseason. You better draft Penny Sewell to face TJ Watt. He's not about to play in either of these games because he's got a hip injury. <laughs> honestly, like I, I, I don't think the Bengals are going to lose next week against the Steelers, even, no matter if Ben or Mason plays. I don't. I don't think so. Too. I think we got. I think. I just don't trust him. Like he, I don't trust anybody. You know what I mean? I will say <laughs> this. I will say this. The Steelers are definitely going to look at that Jets game, and they're going to be looking at the depth of, of of Logan Wilson to make sure like he's aligned properly. I just don't understand when I rewatched that game. Mike White literally did the same thing that Ben tried to do, but they the Bengals just made all of the tackles, all of those little dump offs to the perimeters. Like, Najee Harris probably had, like, what, 14, 15 catches in that game that were just nothing, right? They did the same as that thing, but for whatever reason, the depth of Logan Wilson and the linebackers in that game was just so off, and he could never react to Michael Carter out in space. He could never react to any of these guys fast enough the same way he did, uh, what was that, week two when we played the Steelers the first time? It was virtually the same thing. But I think they'll look at that, and I think it does present some problems, and then now you don't have a King Davis Gaither. There are, yeah, for Anthony, you're 100% right. They'll always be there, and they always play down to their talent. So that's why the Lions game is you're just they, – they just look really bad, though. They look – like, not just sloppy. Like, they look really bad in that game. Dude, I've, right. joked, I've joked about this for two years now, but I genuinely believe that the next time that Roethlisberger throws for 20 or more yards, his arm is going to stay attached to the ball and rip out of its socket. It, right. it looks completely done. Right. It, it's done. Dip it in bronze and, and put it in the Hall of Fame, right? Right. Yeah, no. Like, John makes some great points about the AFC. Like, yeah, every, like there's their teams, and you're like, ooh, they're pretty good. No, but then they screw it up. And, like, like I think the Titans, like, it, ca- it caught up with them that Tannehill's not that good. Like, people, like, act like he's pretty he's – just, he's just okay, you know? But mm. they've got enough things going on that – in this division or in this conference, the way it's going right now, especially if Derrick Henry comes back for the playoffs, they they could take it because nobody's going to take it from them. You know, you like, guys are you don't trust too, anybody else you, to do it. When it you play Pittsburgh, when you play Pittsburgh, you play two teams, right? You play the Steelers and you play the referees, as Blackthorn is pointing out there. So uh, I, I I mean, that, that's also what makes the game increasingly. I, I posted a tweet. Do you guys know that the the Pittsburgh Steelers are the only team in the National Football League that have never been called for a defensive pass interference this year? What do you mean never? Oh, okay. For this, for this season, never. <laughs> no, no, this whole season. And in contrast. They've been the, their opposition has been called for defensive pass interference more than any other teams in the National Football League. I just wanted to tell everybody that because I just I live I, I love I wake up. Browns have been my new love this year. I wake up and I just hate the Browns this year. Before it was just I would wake up, somebody would cut me off on the road, and I'd be like, Oh, he's a Steelers fan. But now I'm just like, Is it Browns? Is it Steelers? Like, I hate both of them. And it's like my new passion. I had a question. There was a super chat guy. DJ Mister says, my guy, Zim, John, and the dynamic duo are my favorite. Sorry, Anthony, Ace, and Matt, but thoughts on chances of finishing 10 and 7, realistic or no at this point, guys? I'm going to start with John Sharon. That would be, what, be 5 and 3. That's completely realistic. Um, like we talked about on Wednesday, all eight of these games are – are not only important for the playoff race, but important to gauge how good this team actually is because they're all against teams that 
they might face in the playoffs if they get there. But at the same time, seven out of the eight are AFC teams, and there should be no team in the AFC that the Bengals should necessarily be afraid of. And I think at least five or maybe even six of these games are going to be at home where that should be an advantage towards the late part of the year. I think they can absolutely get five wins. I've, I've seen what this team was before the Jets game, and I don't think there's a reason to believe that that team is is gone after after just two losses. I don't think that like I think anything beyond five wins is is reaching into the more unlikely realm, but I think five should be entirely in the in the realm of reasonable possibilities. Yeah, for sure. And you're gonna need it, you know. I, I think with a 17 game win. season, yeah, you gotta win five. I don't, I don't think you're squeaking in with nine. Nope. Um, but but no, I, I I agree with everything you said there, and you know I think there's a, a lot of again everybody's just kind of interesting. Like beginning beginning of the year, we never would have thought this, but the the Chiefs obviously they got the playmaker. This could be an issue with the defense, but you look at that game and you're like, yeah, maybe. You know, <laughs> like um, I think it's Chargers is a is an interesting one too because they've kind of been up and down. Obviously, you get the the Herbert rivalry thing going on, so. Um, I mean, I really look at it, and I feel like they should beat the 49ers, and then every other game is like a coin toss, pretty much. You, you know think I mean? that so, you think you think they should beat the 49ers? Yeah, I'm scared of I'm, I'm scared of the 49ers. Man. I'm least I, afraid of the 49ers. Really, I feel I feel like their run game, the way that the like that's the type of game that the Bengals defense historically to me has lost. It's mm. like guys that run different type of run concepts and put people in motion and, and, and make you think before the play. The mm. times when we've gotten blown out by the Chiefs, it's just like the alignment pre-snap is just threw everybody off. Like the last time that we played the Chiefs, I remember, mm-hmm. I see teams literally play the 49ers and pre-snap, you're just like, that's going for eight, nine yards. I don't, and, and, and we're good against the run, but they're not attacking – the inside of it, the, they're not attacking. That's like true. They the get off formation. Side. They get you know. The, the, sometimes there's alignment problems. You're like, oh, look at the gaps. There's there's no way, you know. And and Kyle's smart enough to do that. Like they they have a they have a coach that can do that stuff. Right. Um. But I just I don't know. I just think talent wise. I just think right. like, if this offense get, gets clicking, if they right. if they the game flow can go right, it it really shouldn't be a problem, uh, in my opinion. Uh, um, Anthony, what, what do you think? Ten and seven, Anthony. Uh I refuse to answer this question because I'm not one of DJ Mister's favorites. So um, I'm not going to be. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding, guys. Uh, I, I need I need to be one of the favorites in order to to answer this properly. But no, uh, I you know I I think I said in the early part of the preseason in the summer that the win range I had for the Bengals this year, if everything fell right, they stayed healthy, was eight to ten. Um, and, and, you know, eight kind of being the low on the lower side of things, and ten being you know they they showed maturity, growth, development, all that kind of stuff, and. So I, I think it's easily attainable. I think you need to ask me again after what happens Sunday, though, because if they can't win this game on Sunday against a team with an identical record and, and a lot of parallels, they, every single game that they have remaining on their schedule, four teams are either right outside the playoffs and in the hunt, and four teams are currently slated to be in the playoffs right now. So if you if you can't win this one on Sunday, which it's gonna it's not gonna be an easy game, but if you can't win that game on Sunday against Las Vegas, then you know, I, I, I think then 10 may not be possible. Um, but as right. we sit here today, I, I mean, I think it's it's definitely possible. I think it is on the higher end of the regular season win spectrum that I had for them going into this year. If they get to the Raiders and they put themselves in a, in a, in a, an exclusive pass only situations like behind. That's the only way I could see them losing to the Raiders is in, in Doc Way and, and, and Max Crosby just start going crazy. 
But if they get themselves in, in that type of situation, that's the only way because the threats of Jacobs and the other things that the Raiders want to do, I think those are good matchups for us. Um, yeah, I was kidding, by the way. Totally no, kidding. Let me uh, kind of double back to, the, like, you know, we're talking about the record. We're talking about the playoffs. We're talking about projection. Um, I mean, one team we did have mention a good projection the AFC. question. Was that? I have a good projection question. The next, uh, the next okay. question too. I, I just want to throw this out there with um, one team we haven't mentioned is the Patriots. They're getting better, um, and it's Belichick's doing the Belichick thing and finding a way to figure out how to make this team win. Again, if the Chiefs were the Chiefs, you wouldn't look at them as a serious contender. But now, you kind of got to do that. Um, I'm sorry, Zim. The Patriots go to the playoffs. Chase is going to get effed. Mac 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 doesn't deserve it. The Patriots like Mac Jones, but Mac Jones takes the Patriots to the uh, to the playoffs. He's going to win it. Right. Uh, Jefferson should have right. won it last year. They right. gave it to Herbert. Mac, right. Like, and that was that was the beginning of the year when it was like Jamar Chase for the rookie of the year. The number one reason that I thought that that was going to happen was, was Matt. What, what, no, was there's no quarterback. Well, Cause, uh, cause okay, Mac Jones okay. wasn't great at the beginning, and he's right. not great now. But like, we're, we're the media's over. He, he, he's coming on. I mean, he, yeah, he, yeah, but but we're he's coming we're on. A little too excited about him. I I, I like him. I see good things. We're, we're like, we're I, but a little, uh, little too horny for it. But like we talked to Jimmy Chase though. <laughs> Jimmy Chase. <laughs> you know, you Jimmy, know what I mean though. Like, it, but, Jimmy, but that's the thing. They're gonna give it to a quarterback if there's a quarterback that's even remotely worthy. Right. Go on. Jimmy Chase said that the only way that they'll give it to his son. Is if he breaks every rookie record and they go to the playoffs, and I and I believe that too. And I've always kind of believed that if they had a legitimate, you know, like another quarterback and Mac Jones, you know, like that's just the way the league goes. Though I think he still wins Offensive Rookie of the Year or something like if he hits twelve hundred yards, right? Um, the next question I had was Brandon Monroe Senior said, "I have a question for all of y'all. What position do you feel like we should take in the first round?" I'm gonna answer this one quick. I think it should be corner, and I think it should be Sauce Gardner. Sauce! <laughs> Wouldn't hate that. We're going to be picking right at that <laughs> spot. That's going to be the sweet spot. You know, the, the big-name cornerback is going to come out of Alabama or something, I'm guessing. I haven't even looked at the draft board. Sauce Gardner is going to be sitting there between 13 and 19 or something like that, and we'll be right there, you know, in that area. That's the sweet spot. I, it's hard for me to see an edge rusher that they just fall in love with at that spot. And then I think they they put so much stock in the offensive line. I think they're going to go forth with Deontay or whatever and then come back in the second round again and go get, you know, maybe our future, you know, tackle or something for Reef or whatever if they feel different. I think they'll probably come back. What they should do is in, in the third or fourth and go get their starting center if, I mean, if Hopkins plays anything like this. but they're, they're allergic to taking defensive linemen in the first round for whatever reason. So I think it's either cornerback or tackle at this point. And it's awesome. Yeah, it depends on what they do with Reef. Yeah. I'm really curious as to where Sauce goes because, like, I see a 6'3", 190-pound cornerback who I don't I don't know what he's going to run and coming from, I guess, not, quote-unquote, not great competition. I don't know what the league is going to think of him. I've seen him, like, in, like, the 30s and, like, player rankings, but the production's there for to be drafted in the first round. You're a Bearcat. Really You're a Bearcat, John. You need to stand up for Sauce. You need to demand. Go talk <laughs> to Katie. Go talk to all of them and tell them we need him. Quietly, I would still take Stingley, but you didn't hear that from me. Stingley won't be there because <laughs> Stingley, you, you, I'm now I know Stingley, I've heard, I haven't seen him, but I've heard he's regressed a little bit this year. So he was, he was hurt, yeah. 
Okay, yeah. but Sauce is the number one rated corner in, a, in in college football, has the least amount of yards on him, and is the number one PFF rated corner. Oh, he's rated. good. He's good. He's good as hell. Like I would not be I would not be disappointed if, if my favorite team took him. This is know. the part where Anthony tells us somebody from UCLA yeah. or, or Oregon or somebody like here. Come on. You're on mute. <laughs> I, I was gonna say if Thibodeau <laughs> fell, uh give me Thibodeau, but um uh, you know, Thibodeau's not gonna fall. But, there we go. There uh, we go. there's the Pac 12 guy, but no, I I think corner has to be in the discussion. A lot of people are saying edge rusher, but uh, you know, I, we're forgetting that Joseph Osai is waiting in the wings and hopefully he's gonna come back healthy and, and be a, a you know a solid rotational guy, if not maybe take over a spot or something. So, you know, I, I don't know that edge is gonna be pressing. I you know, if there's an it's high to pick pick one, but if there's an interior lineman or a guard tackle versatile type of guy, I know we talked about how nauseating it is that the Bengals have those guys as enough of those guys as it is. But um, you know, there's some talk. Uh, the the center, I believe, out of Iowa was a Linderbaum. Um, you know, that's a guy that uh, is is out there that could be mid to late first round. He's he's supposed to be very good, and so I mean, maybe that's a name you kick around. I, I'd like to see offensive line. I'd like to see corner. That's probably where I would go. Um, but we also know the Bengals don't like to to go needs based. They like to go BPA, and they like to do that, and even with some some premium uh, picks that they hold. So, um, and now you're actually good enough to do it. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like right. like if you do some things. Obviously, there's a lot of people that need to come back for free agency. But now it's like maybe you can do that, especially if you if you do something to feel decent about the corner spot because that is the the like the glaring need right now um, with Trey Wayne's unavailable. Um, corner is a weird position to me. Like, I feel like draft analysts do like the worst job of projecting where, like the order of how those guys are going to go. Not necessarily like who's going to be good, but I think, I think teams are very nitpicky, very specific in like who they're looking for at those spots. It's it's one of those things that like, really sauce might be the number one corner in college football. People might just not like him. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know what? We like the guy that's a little whatever. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's a really it's a really weird spot. And, and But for that reason, too, you can make the playoffs and be picking in the 20s and you can get a damn good one, you know, and you can get the dude. You know, um, I was shocked. I, I spent the whole Cleveland week talking about um, Denzel Ward versus Chase and how I wanted to see that. Newsom is really, really good. He's a dude. Um, Like, I liked him in college, but I didn't like – I, I, I literally like wrote some positive things about him and then I never followed up on it. Cause I was like, then I got to draft him. Cause I, I, I thought I, I was sure he would, they weren't going to be in position to draft right. him. Um, but like, I was like, Ooh, I should watch more film on this guy. Cause I, I bet you could see it. Like, like he's really good. And like, secondary is scary. You know how the scariness that I talked about with uh, Lamar or whatever, their secondary with, you know, Delpit, and uh, John, John, like Johnson, like actually mm-hmm. now they're starting to rotate him into a role that he actually likes. Yeah, their future is super bright in their secondary. I, I, I will get a Browns that 100%. So uh, that, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it comes down to identifying the guy that's going to be right for you and guys could be good fit and, and, you know, getting a little bit of luck in there. But like I, you could be picking anywhere you want in the first. Like you don't have to take who knows if he's that pick anymore, but Stingley was a top five pick last year. You know what I mean? Like that's how, that's how they talked about, like you don't have to take a, a corner that high. Like you can find the right guy. I feel like the NFL is pretty good at finding the right guy 
for the right team. And I, I think draft analysts are terrible about filling those holes. Like, you know, like I think the guys end up being good, but they don't understand where guys are going to fall because teams are very specific. So I think you are looking for a guy who's got some length, you know, right. and, and, and who could tackle is going to be a good fit for that stuff. I, I think maybe you're not seeing as much one high stuff because of the corner situation. Um, you know, so maybe that Bates is being hurt by Trey being hurt, um, you know, more than anything. So I, I, I don't know. I, I could see that being the case, you know, like, but I don't think you've got to have an answer there. That's not the draft because you're not picking number one anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. you've got you to have some answers before we, that. We um, got to, we got to speed through some of these though, because I, I, I gotta, I gotta step on myself. You guys can, keep, I, I, I was going to say, I gotta, I, I just got the, uh, the indicator, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I got a very hungry, uh, hungry well, little man. Be, before you go, Robert Jane says, Matt, you need to take your bangle sh- shirt off because you keep on saying y'all, you need to keep, you need to say we and get down is what, is what Robert says. So when you go back to watch this, we're going to see how many times you say, y'all, I didn't even notice that. Y'all, really? Man, I, I'm not even well, from the South. Well, I guess you, I guess you I guess you weren't saying we like you weren't rep- you weren't on the Bengals team. I, I I never say we. I just don't like as a as a fan. I don't say we. I'm not part of the team. Neither is yeah, Matt. Yeah, that's that, that that's my take Rand, on it. Randall like, is. Randall is like we as a team I coach. We as a team I play on. We, Randall's getting we the bag. You know, he's he's got a reason. And Francis, his no, name is Sauce. It. He's not getting any nil money from being called a mod. His name is Sauce. Us. I, I mean, come on! Like, who doesn't want a guy named Sauce? Like, like Annie's good. Like, he could have just been a seven round guy named Sauce, and we we could have had a fan favorite. But we actually, I you know, the shirts and everything, and all the stuff, the merch and everything is just rolling through my head. I'm just yeah. Like, how is Frank's Red Hot not called him? <laughs> I th- I thought he did have some type of deal with so, some of the so, barbecue sauce. Man, look, Sauce, we're no, gonna sauce do I'll put that since, I'll put, since I'll put he's that young on anybody, right? Right. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> sauce you up, like all of these different things. Since he's jungle, we're gonna do a canned food drive where everybody's got to bring tomato sauce, all types of sauce. We're gonna donate it to all these different foundations. We're gonna do a lot of things with sauce. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I love you it. gotta really, really think this stuff. I can't really find any other questions. I know I have to go, guys. I'm sorry. All yeah. right. Yeah. I'm, no, we're I'm, good. I'm, I'm piecing out. I'm on diaper duty. So thanks a lot, uh, everybody, for, for joining. Yeah. You guys can keep rolling or, or should, should we sign off we're, here? We'll close it up. We'll close okay, it up. Yeah. For Zim, for Ace, for John, for Matt, I'm Anthony. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We, we got calls and stuff, but we kind of had a little bit of a structured show. We also had other questions that we wanted to get to. We tried to get to a couple of those. Appreciate We had a lot of live viewers, which is awesome, across all the different platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can get our podcasts, whether it's Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from that guy right there. Uh, this guy over here, Zim and Ace, Orange is the New Black, John and I, I guess Diagonal. Uh, he and I do the Orange and Black Insider, all part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the major platforms. Subscribe, leave a review, check it out, and... Uh, we appreciate all the support. Go subscribe to each one of our YouTube channels as well. We we have a lot of fun. We do our own shows. We do a lot of these collaborations, which are a hell of a lot of fun. Thank you guys for coming on, spending a lot of time. Thanks to all the live listeners. Let's hope the Bengals get a dub in, in the desert this weekend. Huh? They need they need this one against the Raiders for sure to get to six and four and, and keep right being right in that mix of the AFC playoff race. So 
Thanks, everybody, guys. Have a good weekend. We've got a holiday coming up, so take it easy. And uh, hey, we'll we'll see everybody soon. We'll be doing post game shows, all kinds of different stuff. And uh, hey, by the way, go catch up on some of the cool interviews that Zim and Ace did. Go catch up on some of Matt's shows, Coach Speak yes, and Chalk Talk. We've done a couple of different shows on on the Orange and Black Insider as well. So if you haven't yet, go tailgate and pregame with the shows. Appreciate it, guys. We'll see everybody next time. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it had a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.